This week has seen the start of my second podcast series. It's called Whiskey Selection and it represents the next step in my exploration of the world of whiskey. Some time ago I was talking to Peter Mackay from the Scottish Decure Centre and he said to me that when you start selling whiskey it makes you consider many more aspects. Now that increased my desire to explore this further. It made me more interested in developing an idea I had to source whiskey from the cask and bottle it independently, exploring that whiskey at a very focused level. So this is what I intend doing, slowly introducing more whiskies from the cask bottled at cask strength and whiskies that mean something special to me, whiskies that have affected me in some way. Now the first episode of Whiskey Selection is available free to download from iTunes and it is just an introduction as to what the series is about and what to expect from it. As I get hold of whiskies and bottle them and put them out there I will do episodes on each whiskey as that happens and I'll, I'll let you know on this series when that happens as well. Occasionally I get email from distilleries that I read and I think to myself that's really interesting but I don't always share them on the podcast but occasionally I get one and I think oh I've got to tell people about this and this is what's happened this week I've had an email from Bushmills Distillery um, in Ireland and they've got a new competition that they're launching and I just looked at it and thought Oh yeah, I've got to tell people about this. Colm Egan, master distiller at the Old Bushmills Distillery, is set to launch a global competition called Make It to Bushmills. Now, that will see him take the world-famous distillery on tour. And he's offering two friends the chance to work alongside him for two weeks to learn the skills of whiskey making that have existed in the Bushmills area for over 400 years. They also get £5,000 sterling spending money to share and the chance to stay in luxury accommodation on Ireland's north coast. Then they'll be packed up with the best bits of old Bushmills Distillery to go on tour. The destination, the winner's home country. Now speaking ahead of the launch of Make It to Bushmills, on St Patrick's Day, Colum said more than 100,000 people visit our distillery every year. But there are millions of Bushmills fans the world over. So we thought it was about time that we visited them. Two friends from each competing country will be voted by the public to go forward to Bush Camp, the Make It to Bushmills three-day global final taking place this August on Ireland's spectacular north coast. 
There they will experience what life at the old Bushmills distillery has to offer. Column said, at Bush Camp, we are looking for the two people who best represent the Bushmill spirit of friendship. We will be challenging our finalists to, to together try some of the things the team here love to do, such as taking part in sport or playing music. We will also test their palates with a series of whiskey tastings. The winning pair of friends announced at Bush Camp will then be given behind-the-scenes access to the distillery. £5,000 sterling spending money, luxury penthouse accommodation and the chance to make their own unique blend of Bushmills Irish whisky. Following that, the distillery will go on tour. Colum Egan will pack up some of the equipment, the people and the whisky from the distillery and bring them to the winner's home country for the ultimate Bushmills party where the winners and their friends will be the guests of honour. To enter this competition or to find out more about it, visit facebook.com slash Bushmills1608. Entry opens at 16.08 Greenwich Mean Time on the 17th of March 2011 and closes at 11.59pm Greenwich Mean Time on Sunday the 17th of April 2011. Terms and the conditions apply. Now where in the world do you have to be to enter this competition? Well, they're accepting entries from Belgium, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, Germany, Great Britain, Netherlands, Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, Russia, South Africa, United States of America. Good luck. I have to share this with you because, you know, that, that really looks like fun. I'm very tempted to apply myself. Well, it had to happen to me sooner or later. And this is the week that it has happened to me. I've had a problem with John Glazer from Compass Box. Well, to be honest, it's not a problem with, with John Glazer. It's actually a problem with my equipment whilst I was interviewing him. Well, actually, to be even more honest, I suppose it's more of a problem with, with me, with how I use the equipment. See, in short, I recently interviewed John Glazer over the telephone and I had some problems with my recording equipment that I wasn't aware of until after the, the interview had finished. And I'm sure that a more technically advanced person could sort that problem out. But I'm not that technically advanced. And that me means that whilst I managed to record it, the quality was so far from being good enough that I feel that I actually can't use it in the podcast. It's not good enough to broadcast. And that is a shame because I actually felt the interview went well. I gained a lot from it and I'd love to share it with you. Now this has given me two options. I can either give a direct feedback about that interview or I could try to rescue it 
fix it and put it into a later episode and that is what I'm going to do I'm going to give myself a week or two to try to sort that recording out if I can get it good enough I'll put it out into a later episode if I can't well then I might have to go to the other plan however when I was at Whiskey Live in London I did manage to grab a chat with Compass Boxes Chris Mabin, their commercial director. Lovely chap. And that interview did record. And that interview I can use. Compass Box. You've just had 10 years. Yeah? Absolutely. And you've marked this with Flaming Heart, which I'm going to try again in a moment, I hope. Fantastic. What do you think has been the highlight for you over the last 10 years? Um, there's to be honest, there's been so many highlights. I mean, it's really, in terms of starting from an incredibly small base where founder John Glaze, he just went out with a backpack with six bottles of hedonism in his backpack, went into Royal Mile whiskies and sold them. So going from that level of blending a few things in his kitchen to today where we've got so many friends around the world, we're selling Compass Box into 20 countries now, and really just the recognition, people getting what we're trying to do, people appreciating the effort to innovate and to move beyond just the, the standard and to try and make whiskey better. So if you like, that's been overall the biggest reward. And you know, in many ways, just coming to events like this, tasting people with our whiskies who haven't tasted them before, and then saying, wow, this is actually really good. Yeah. And it's not a single malt. So. Okay, <laughs> so a provocative question for you. Please do. Bearing in mind Spice Tree, and the original Spice Tree, have you got any views about Maker's Mark 45? or Maker's Mark 46? Yeah, I mean, it's, we, we were delighted when that came out because it, was, it showed us that, well, we weren't just complete nutcases doing things that were evil and, and devious back in 2005 yeah. when, when Spice Tree was banned. It was actually what we always said we were doing was trying to make whiskey better, trying to make it more interesting, more complex. And, and obviously the guys at Maker's Mark, they know exactly what they're doing. They're doing some very exciting stuff. And, yeah, we're delighted that they picked up this same technique, and I hope one day we can try it out again for Scotch whiskey as yeah. well. So you led the way with that innovative... I mean, I don't know if Maker's Mark saw Spice Tree and said, we'll give that a go, yeah. but certainly we were the first people in whiskey to try it. So, uh, so what about the future? You must have more things to we come. We have got... We're looking, in the second decade, we're looking to revolutionise, again, right. we're looking to revolutionise the world of whiskey. And we've got a big new project that we're hoping to launch in June. And it's almost there, but it'll be about taking, it'll be about taking blended whiskey. So we're talking about malt and grain. We're not talking about vatted malt or vatted grain. Taking malt and grain together and creating a product and hopefully a range that will show people that blended whiskey can be exciting, can be compelling, can be a joy to drink. Now that sounds like there's going to be a secret behind this. There, is, there are different things we're doing, no question about it. But that's, if you like, that is the overarching thing. And, you know, we'll still, we won't be changing anything that we're doing here with our core range, uh, with the spicer and the peat monster. So we, but we'll have, if you like, our vatted malts and vatted grains and doing some fantastic things with that. But then we want to create, we want to, if you like, show people 
talk to people about the joys of drinking blended whiskey as well. Right. So, so I'm getting the idea, first 10 years are over, story's still only just beginning. You've story's got... still only just beginning, and if you like, you know, the thing about innovation is you have to keep on innovating. You have to carry on, otherwise you just get stale. So um, what we're trying to do this year is, for the start of the second day, is come up with a, a new idea and carry on. We've got lots of other crazy ideas that we're hoping to bring in over the next couple of years as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah rock and roll. Thank you ever so much. <laughs> <laughs>
changed my view of Glen Murray. Glen Murray has broken free. It hasn't got the funds of some of the bigger distilleries, but it, it is trying things. And it's, well, I could talk. Why listen to me? Let's listen to what Ian has to say about it. Okay, uh, well, just a bit about the distillery itself. Uh, the Murray is a Speyside single malt. We're based up in Elgin, uh, which is kind of midway between Inverness and Aberdeen. So we're kind of the north end of Speyside. Um, we've been producing there for about 114 years. Uh, most people know us as being quite closely related to Glenmorangie because we were owned by Glenmorangie for about 80 years. Uh, but we were sold by them two years ago, and we were taken over by... Here you go. Yep. Uh, we were taken over by another French company, because as you probably know, Glenmorangie is owned by a French company, so they were uh, sold us to another French company called La Martini Caes. And um, they're probably more famous for their production of rum than anything else, so we're their only Scotch whisky distillery. And uh, it's worked out wonderful for us, because as a distillery, uh, we were very much in the shadow of what Glenmorangie and what Ardbeg did, so not a lot of people knew about us, because we were the kind of smaller sibling of that group. Uh, now we're kind of on our own, uh, obviously we're part of a group, but we're on our own as far as distilleries go within the company, so a lot more focus on us and we're increasing production, we're playing around a lot more with casks and wood types and things like that. Um, traditionally the Murray's been a non-peated whiskey, we've been running peated malt and things like that, so very exciting time to be at the distillery and that's why we've come to like a whiskey live, for example, the past couple of years, uh, just to get out there and talk about it and say, you know, these are things that are happening, but with the nature of the industry, we're looking at 10 years down the line before some of these whiskies come out. But if you get a chance, go down to the stand. We've got a one-year-old peated malt that we've run, which is amazing. Uh, we're about to release some Chardonnay casks. And this one here we brought with us today uh, is one of those new experiments. This is a Portwood finish. Uh, the company that we own, uh, that own us, sorry, uh, actually own a port producer as well. So we're actually getting a lot of their port casks across. Now this was a precursor to filling spirit into port casks for a full maturation. But to get it, to find out how it was working, what we did was we filled into a port pipe for a finish. So it's actually a 13-year-old bourbon transferred into the port pipe for one year. And what we did with the cask uh, to really kind of speed it up was we have one palletized warehouse, a very tall warehouse, and we moved the cask right up into the top of this warehouse for its year, so that it's getting all the hot air, and the hot air that's rising within the warehouse, whatever hot air we do get in Scotland, and so it's pulling it into the wood, pulling it into the cask, and it's actually allowed the port to really impress itself onto this whiskey quite a lot for its year in it. It is wonderfully rich and sweet. We produce a very sweet spirit. So sitting alongside what the port can provide, it's giving a kind of intensity to that sweetness. And you'll find that in the nose. When you have a little smell of it initially, it's the port that shines through. It's that rich, ripe fruit character coming through. It's a tawny port, by the way, cask, in case somebody's interested. Um, on the flavour, on the palate, that kind of translates across. You're getting that kind of real rich, ripe fruit character coming through. But also with the, the oak, you're getting that kind of finish of bitterness, kind of dark chocolate, kind of coffee-like finish that you'll find with a port root finish. It is a cask strength. 
Uh, it was actually three uh, hogsheads, three first fill bourbons <coughs> transferred into the port pipes. So, and it was a first fill port as well, so the, the, the richness of the port was allowed to shine through on top. So, uh, I'll come right, pick up your glasses and you can see what you think. So though none of you have actually tried the Murray before, I don't think, has any of you heard of us? You will mm. we exist. Mm -hmm. We're kind of famous for producing a very light, gentle single malt. We have what's called the Classic, which is our biggest seller. It's a blend of three, five and seven year old whiskies matured in bourbons. We've actually changed our wood policy just recently. We've a huge percentage of first fill casks now uh, that we're filling into. Uh, we went from a, about 30% first fill to about 80% first fill just now. So uh, we've invested quite heavily in wood very recently. Are you going to be going up market? Because I know you, you tend to be quite heavily discounted in the supermarket. We, it's it's a difficult, yeah. You know, it's, it's, to some extent it's damaged the brand, but it's yeah. got us out there. People know us. Um, for a while, the classic was the second best-selling single malt in the UK. Uh, so it has its fans, so you don't want to suddenly just jump away from that. So what we've done is we're looking to introduce uh, the 12-year-old into the UK market, uh, which was only mainly produced, sorry, predominantly produced for the States. Uh, so that'll give people the option to trade up rather than just move away completely. Would that be the same style? It will be bourbon, yes. It's yeah. all the same style. We've got the, the three that we do, uh, the classic, the 12 and the 16 on the standards and the day, so you can, if you know the classic, you can yeah. kind of... Okay, is everybody got a glass on this thing over here? You can see it doesn't have a lot of port finishes and port casts kind of give it a pinky tinge. This is a kind of more red mahogany colour coming through from the port. I'm not quite sure the reason for that. It could be that the tawny makes a slight difference. I'm not sure where most people finish a lot of their whiskies in, but the tawny's is something a little bit different. Um, but you do get that rich port-like character on the nose. I don't know if finding it coming through. Uh, now, we don't peter malt at all. Uh, and we have very kind of medium-shaped stills. So we get this kind of me medium-sized stills. We have this very medium body, clean, fresh spirit. It has a real malt character coming through. Uh, and that, that kind of glides through with most of the whiskies, you know, if you try the 8, the 12, and the 16. And here, even with the port, that still starts to come through. So the sweetness of the two sit very nicely together. And as I say, with the addition of water, uh, that bitterness, that dark chocolate, that kind of real coffee-like character on the finish, uh, that's brought out just that little bit more. So. I don't know if you guys have been given jugs of water around from the bottles. If you can just put in a little drop and see, you'll find the bitterness comes through. And a lot of people look for that little cold finish. We've taken with us today, again, if you get the opportunity to go down to the stand. Last year, uh, we started running some peated malt. Now, as I say, Glen Murray is completely non-peated, typically, traditionally. Uh, so we ran some stuff with 40 parts per million through the system. Uh, it was put into first full bourbon casks. Only a year old, we've taken a little sample with us, so uh, if you're quick to get out and stand, there should be some left. Um, it is amazing, it is wonderful. Uh, we tried some folk trying it last night, saying we should bottle it at a year old, and, and so we are considering doing that. So if you like your peated stuff, if you know Glen Murray, it's quite a light whiskey. Um, get down there, give that a try, and see what you think, and see how it compares. And at a year old, it's got a rich golden colour to it. And even at such a high peating, high phenol content, 
the sweetness uh, it helps to balance that out so it's got a lovely balance to it even at one year old so no idea how strong it is because we just took it out of cast last week and took it down with us what do you think? any comments? I think the port would finish really complements it very well as I say, this was a kind of precursor, it was a, a kind of testing ground to see if it worked and we're now filling new make spirit in the port casks. Uh, that'll take some time, but this gives us a feel mm. for how the spirit's going to interact with the port and we we're very pleased with it. Jim Murray just recently gave this liquid gold award, it scored 95.5, mm. uh, so it's been very well received. Uh, most people we've tried it with have enjoyed it. So, as I say, we've gone ahead, we've filled a lot more port, ca port casks, so uh, given a few years, we'll have something new to introduce to the market. Yeah. We're about to introduce some Chardonnay. Again, for those of you who know the history of Glen Murray, uh, we used to finish in Chardonnay 10 years ago. Uh, they stopped doing that, it was kind of medium success to it, so they stopped doing it. Uh, they had an abundance of casks left over. So rather than just get rid of them, they filled them with new mixed spirit. And we're now at that stage, 10 years down the line, where that's come to fruition. And we'll be releasing that in the summer. So we've got sort of second fill Chardonnay? Uh, no, first off, uh, we hadn't used them at oh, all. Okay. These were just some casks we had spare that we hadn't used. So first fill Chardonnay. Um, it's worked quite well. Uh, it's really quite pleasant. It's, it's an interesting whiskey, a full maturation in the Chardonnay cask. It's French oak. So uh, not only do we have that a deviation from the American oak and the bourbon that we typically use, uh, the French oak has, a, has altered it as well, changed it slightly. What we have with us today with that is a nine-year-old, uh, because it's not ten quite yet, and we will be releasing it in about August this year. That will be another year introduction. Sure. You've got nine-year-old on the stand. We've got nine-year-old, yeah. We took a sample. Also as well, if you do get a chance to go down there, I'll, I'll add a caveat to that, that I added the water to a cask sample, roughly guessing it at 40%, which is going to bulk left. It's me taking a rough stab at it, so uh, don't take that as the exact as it will be when it comes out. So see what you think. It's just a, a rough feel for you. Uh, it has a, creates a drier kind of feel to it. Uh, the French oak uh, kind of reduces the influence of the wood over the 10 years. You know, our 12-year-old has a, a greater complexity to it than the Chardonnay does. Uh, so it's just a, a slightly lighter version with a drier, less of a sugary sweet kind of flavour. Uh, kind of candy floss, multi characters is what we look for in a Glen Murray. Here we've got more of a drier, astringent nature <laughs> to it, um, which gives us a, a different kind of bow to our strength, a different strength to our bow. So we've got this different style of whiskey. Uh, so milder, lighter um, and less sweet is what we get from Chardonnay. Have you got enough Chardonnay for that to be part of your core range? Or is that yes, 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 yes. We've got it for part of our core range for we expect about three years. Uh, for those of you from the UK we just signed a contract with Morrison's to take it in so it will be available in Morrison's yeah. around about August. Then. It'll retail at £25 a bottle. The one you're trying, by the way, is £50. It's a distillery-owned bottle, so it was hand-bottled at the distillery and only available at visitor centres. What's the strength of it? 56.7. And is this single cask, or is it battered? It's three bourbon casks going into one port pipe. So, kind of single cask yeah. for part of it, and then three casks for <laughs> me. 
for how long? Sorry, how long is it in the port pipe for? One year. One year. One year. One year. One, year, one month. So mm. Just over a year. And that's only available directly with the distillery. Directly with the distillery. Yeah. It was seven hundred and twenty-five quarts. We have that one. Do you like to be repeating that? Well, as I say, we're filling port casks with no finishes, and we yeah. probably will do a finish. You know, as long as we continue to get the cask shipped over. Uh, we've also recently just taken delivery of Medea casks, which we've not filled, so uh, they'll be getting filled quite soon. And we'll probably do a finish with that. So the next finish we'll do, more than likely, will be a Medea cask finish. And are you generally following a policy of sort of increasing the quality of your work to try and bring up the quality of the malt? Yes, so that we can actually move in. Glen Murray has been a very popular uh, spirit for blending. Uh, under uh, LBMH when we were with Glenmorangie, about 60% of our production went off for blending. Uh, the sweet spirit and the sweet nature of the spirit made it very popular. Uh, obviously our new owners would like to see that move more into malt. To do that we have to increase the quality so that we can compete with all the guys that are on display down there. So we have to invest, we have to uh, look at new ideas. We've never really experimented to the level we are just now. So we're just kind of taking the spirit in random directions yeah. and hopefully one of those directions strikes a chord and we see how it goes. It's the only way you can really do it. You've got to play around. Uh, we have a 40 year old coming out later on this year. So uh, it's amazing. So if you're playing around with wood types and stuff like that, are you playing around at the other end as well with, with barley types, yeast types? We are, we're about to take some chocolate malt in. As I say, we've run some peated malt through. We've moved from uh, fresh yeast to liquid yeast. That's the, that move from fresh yeast to liquid yeast is not going to have too much of an influence. Uh, we, what we're really doing there is trying to reduce the workload on the guys mm -hmm. because we're increasing production because they were basically lumbering bags of yeast up and downstairs. Mm -hmm. So we want them to be less of that and more produ production. We're looking to increase production by 50% uh, from 2 million litres to 3 million litres over the next year. You're not tinkering with your, your raw water and your brew times and things like that? Yeah. No, that's all staying static. Uh, so. Uh, our mash is that'll remain. It's a seven and a half hour mash. We've got a forty-eight hour fermentation, uh, distillation, or cut point. Um, we're at sixty-nine percent, so it's between seventy-four and sixty-four. It's been like that for about twenty years. We're not going to think. We did actually have a student in who drew samples of varying levels of cut points uh, over summer last year. Uh, we tried some. <laughs> yeah, we just gave her, you know, just a job. See, she was wanting to study kind of cut points and spirit and effect it had, and we thought great chance for us to not pay somebody to do work for us and find out how it goes. Uh, so they came in, they played about with the spirit, and we decided we've got the best cut point. Um, I don't know if anybody knows, but our previous distillery manager Ed Dodson had 42 years in the industry. He was the guy who resurrected our bag. He took it and restarted it. Um, and for us to come in and say, you didn't know what you were talking about, we're changing the cup pointers, but it would be fully off us. So we were delighted to see that we have the right cup point. So the spirit will remain the same. Um, so mainly wood, a little bit of tinkering with the malt, as I say, some chocolate malt coming soon, uh, peated malt, but everything else within the process should remain static. One has to ask this question after what you said about student. 
doing that. So if I was to approach the distillery and say that I'm on the work experience program, do you mind if I come and play about and sample? Is there any chance? Or? Uh, <laughs> this, this student was the neighbour of the company's general manager. Oh. It's <laughs> always who you know, <laughs> isn't it? You've got to know the right people. Um, she was studying, she was studying distillation at Hedge Ward, so uh, she, was, uh, she was doing that anyway. So, uh, and it was uh, somebody doing a favour for a, a close friend. So as you say, you've got to know the right people. <laughs> 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 We've still got the samples, we'll let you come in and try the samples when you want to pop in by Okay, so the, the whiskey we're giving you, any comments? Anybody? Anybody not like it? Anybody think? Like that can argue with it? No? Not easily offended. I mean, I love the finish. It's yeah. just so soft and sort of voluptuous. And <laughs> so, um, so that's 50 pounds bottle, but that's only for Thank you. Well, from Thank you. Cheers. Uh, we have it here with us today, um, but generally I want to be to do the uh, mail order website. Uh, if we get, we might get an answer in the next five minutes. Okay. Well, I don't know. Port Madeira, the two drinks in theory are sort of becoming less popular, so do you find it more difficult to find cards? No, because uh, La Martini cares of their own port, you know, Madeira oh, producers. Of course, you're yes. right, yes. So we've got Port Cruise Gast and we'll get Madeira. I'm not sure what different Madeira they do at all. Even some of the company that's different Madeira houses, but I'm just interested to know because I'm a big Madeira fan, you see. We're waiting for some rum cask as well from St. James in the past. I'm a particular fan of yeah, I am. Uh, so if we if we get them, you know, I'm looking forward I mean, to that. That's kind of patronising. I, I hope that you guys sort of um, go past the stage of being considered as the kind of like, you know, sixteen pound because yeah. it's yeah. 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 stuff. The, the the classic is wonderful whiskey. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, it's just unfortunate it's been break. Well, it's not unfortunate because it's opened us up. Um, I read an article. I think it was Dave Broom a few months ago talking about what what new things can the whiskey industry do. I'm thinking, well, make it affordable. And that's what we've got. Well, yeah, and that's what we've been yeah, able yeah. to do. And nobody else is doing that. I mean, we've made single malt whiskey affordable to generally blended drinkers. Uh, but do you still feel as though we're more than £16 in my trips? We are, but it's... it's it gets we people have, thinking yeah, that actually, you know, know, Murray's fantastic, you know, it's, it's a sort of the entry point in. Yeah, what, that doesn't bother me. I love the fact that it's there. Uh, the price point... To, to some extent, I feel it may have damaged the brand. What worries me is that people think that that's all we have. Yeah. Even under Glenmorangie, that wasn't all we had. We had other lines to, to the, the portfolio. Of course, where they bought it, you wouldn't have seen those. No, brands, would it? no, you wouldn't see it. So they weren't there. We're putting them out there now. We're hoping to have three. Uh, three SKUs in, in supermarkets, which will be the Chardonnay, the Classic, and the Twelve in the UK. In uh, the UK, it is Glen Murray's core market. So you know, if we can start to to progress the range in there, that's going to be the next step in yeah. pushing it out against the world. Currently, we're stock building because we have no Glen Murray stock. So we've cut back on our sales for blends, which we will go back into in the short term. And yeah, probably short term, we're moving out cats. We rented a lot of space to McAllen. Um, we had a lot of Macallan in our storage. We're getting that out of there, uh, emptying it out. We're filling it up with Glen Murray. So, sort of going from the the guy who's just been kicked around and told you will do this to hang on, hang on, we're going yes. our way now. Yeah. yeah, and everything's from site. 
The company, Martinique is, is a huge company, but small in numbers. They want the people on site to control what they do. The yeah. distillery manager, uh, I'm the visitor center manager, and I'm doing bottling for 40 year old. I'm doing packaging and design for a line that will be selling for £1,000. So everybody has their role, but it spreads much further now, which is great because you can play a role much, much more. Uh, and any decisions, the decision to go down chocolate malt was my decision. Uh, the decision to go Peter was a distillery manager's decision. So we have control on site, which not a lot of the big guys can say. It's good though, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, it's great Fantastic. It is. Exciting times for you. Fantastic. But what you've also got though is it's how much of this is depending on, on really good marketing? Because as you were saying, you know, you're in the supermarket, that's your entry point. The next challenge is to lead people out of the supermarket. Mark, the we're not going to get a marketing budget. We've got a very basic marketing budget. It would be wonderful to do big fancy ads, take ads in Western sure. Magazine and shout about all these things. What we've got is shows like this at the moment, yeah. and that's all we can rely on. Um, and if we can show that what we're doing is increasing sales, increasing visibility, it'll push out from there. But that's integrity as well. So what you're actually saying to me underneath that is that you've got limited resources, yes. you're putting that into the product yes. as opposed to gloss. Absolutely. Yep. Um, they're the, the kind of the investment within the brand, uh, within the brand and what we produce, rather than within the brand itself. Um, we've spent more in the past two years than probably Glenmorangie Juice spent in 2010. Okay, that's not exaggerating. But, you know, we are seeing much more investment on site, uh, much more investment in wood, uh, you know, much more kind of experimentation, and it's great. It's, it's, we're seeing it change. We are going to be struggling to compete with the big guys because we can't promote and push and do the big fancy glitzy shows that they do, uh, big launches that they do. We just have to hope that we come with things like this, people discover us and take it forward. Um, was it Chardonnay or so too? I'm thinking of Jim Murray's book. Chardonnay Finch. Right, that's the yeah, one. Chardonnay yeah. Finch. That was the one we did about 10 years ago under Glenmorangie. Um, that was kind of, we were the kind of play around ground for Glenmorangie, you know, the finishes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So they would experiment with us and then push it out. So this is kind of that progression of that as a first full, 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 full maturation in Chardonnay. So they, we actually discovered them in the warehouse. They were going off to be bottled and somebody said, this isn't normal Glenmorangie. And we, Check the cast numbers, and right enough, these were the Chardonnay fields. Uh, it's going to be quite a big introduction. That's to quite them. a rarity, isn't it, Chardonnay? It's not something you see very often. No. I mean, so to, um, I'm not convinced works all the time, I've got to be honest. Once I've tried, you think, it's nice, mm-hmm. but it's no, nothing special. Like port gives you that kind of, obviously, that sort of lovely kind of Turkish white finish. Rum, obviously, because it's on a rummy finish. Madeira, that lovely buttery, marzipan finish. So turn doesn't really do much, but things like brandy I've tried, mm-hmm. which I'm not convinced about. I think we've got um, some cognac casks in maturation just now. So I, I've not sampled them at all. So I've no idea how they come out, and I've never tried. Like a sort of schnapsy before. sort of kick in them. Obviously, something a bit different. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Things like Tokai, things like Ben Rea have done Tokai finishes. You see them occasionally. Never tried them. No. But I suppose you've got a whole range. To me, red wine doesn't work unless we peated whiskey. The Corrivrecken, the Arby Corrivrecken. We did a red wine cask, a burgundy cask that we released uh, two years ago. And I haven't tried, so I can't uh, sort of incorporate that, but I've, I've one tried. One of our fastest selling oh, really? limited okay. releases well, we've ever done, and it was happy to be wrong. very good, very yeah. good. Uh, but it's gone now, long gone, sold out. Uh, but no, it was excellent. It, it seems, well, the one I've tried, I think I tried, well, I can't say who it was, but um, fairly unbalanced, you know, it's red wine, oh, and then whiskey, and then red wine. 
didn't seem to sort of integrate too well. Mm-hmm. But peated, I mean, the Crow of Reckon is a batting of peated different yeah. red wine finishes, and that's fantastic. Mm. But um, I'm not convinced with unpeated whiskey that it works that well. But again, yeah. hey, what do I know? I've been doing this that long. Yeah, if you, you know your taste. You know, you know like people so. claim to be connoisseurs, but you're only a connoisseur of your own taste. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about when you say it doesn't work. It, it depends who it's working for. Yeah. Well, exactly. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I often think of this analogy of sometimes you want to be stroked, but sometimes you have an inch itch and you want to be scratched. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes something that doesn't <laughs> yeah. quite work yeah. is yeah. actually the thing that yeah. does yeah. work. It's uh, you know I. Don't get these uber peated stuffs that are coming out just I don't. now. What the sort of the the, um, you know, the octopus uh, and, and things. No, like I agree with you. I don't get it, but no. it's hugely popular. Who am I to argue with anybody? But the same guy, the same same sort of uh, principle as ten piss guys saying, right, put ten green chilies in my curry because mm. I can take it. Mm. Fine, okay. You taste what? Just chilies? Mm. Just don't get it at all. No. No, I love peated whiskies, but I just don't get this bringing it up a notch just for the sake of bringing no. it up a notch. Mm. Um, there's a level of machismo to it as well. Let our bed and Glenn uh, and uh, Bradley fight it out. So, yeah. Eventually, sort of kill themselves off in, in that respect. Mm-hmm. But, um, I have to say, though, going back to your your product, yes, I, I really enjoyed that. I felt yes. it had a lot more complexity to it than mm-hmm. than I was expecting. <coughs> And uh, yeah, that that was really good. Really so ninety-five, ninety-five. Yeah. Uh, ninety-nine five. Yeah. Yes. And bottled. Uh, bottled in. Uh, when was it bottled? It was last year, two thousand and nine. Uh, pretty sure it was two thousand and nine. Uh, yeah, it was two thousand. December two thousand and nine. That's good. No, that's good. Actually, you got the bottle in your hand. Yes. Any chance of a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. And then I'm going to disappear, <laughs> taking this lovely memory with me. <laughs> That's lovely. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yes, please. Thank you. There we go. The colour. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Morted Muse podcast. Maybe you'd like to try listening to Whiskey Selection podcast just to get some idea of what that's going to be about. If anybody's got any questions, suggestions, comments, anything like that, please contact me. My email address is jim at themaltedmuse.com and of course there's the website themaltedmuse.com which is well due a bit of an update. I'm holding off a little bit on that because I am planning to change quite dramatically that website. Um so i'm not wanting to update it too much at the moment but there will be some changes there soon and there will be a major update going on with that so please perhaps visit there but revisit quite frequently um so that you're there when the changes take place and on that website there are more information there's links and uh, other other bits and bobs There's also a contact form that you can use to contact me should you not want to use an email. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you'll listen again to the next one. Goodbye.